14. Hello, everybody. Welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Patrick. I am Jeff. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and we are in our second week of September, and this week we're talking about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, also known as The Conspiracy to Make Patrick Watch a Keanu Reeves Movie, so he's broken the seal and can finally watch John fucking Wick. This whole show is just to get to me watching John Wick finally. Yes. Yep. That's pretty much it. That, yeah. That, that was the See, secret plan. The seal has been broken, gentlemen. I've, the first Keanu Reeves movie I've watched in, since The Matrix, basically. Timely. Timely, since they just dropped the trailer today for the uh, Matrix Resurrected. Revelations. Revelations? Shouldn't and Is it S or just an N? What? It's Revelations. Is it with an S or an N? Was it Revelations, yes. the third one? No. Yeah, it's Matrix right. Resurrections. Matrix. It was reloaded. Reloaded. Revolution. I'm literally or... looking at it right now. It's Resurrections. <laughs> reloaded, it? re- rewired, recycled, and now... Oh. All right, I stand corrected. Or I sit corrected. Actually, I'm sitting. So hold on. When I'll you stand. tell me I'm wrong, be right. <laughs> <laughs> you know that doesn't work. Yeah, you didn't need the second half of that sentence. It's just now. All right. Well, uh, if you like being right, you might like the shows you find on Geek Life Radio, including us at 12 noon on Saturdays. That's not right. Is that is that our time slot still? I have no idea. I yeah, as know. far as we kept it, as far as I knew. Well, you'll also find such shows as The History of Bad Ideas. Yeah. Like, why the are you an- going to ask questions like that when the guy who knows that stuff isn't here? I don't know. <laughs> the Anime Trap House. No one can tell me I'm wrong, so it's 12 noon on Saturdays. <laughs> the Shining Wizards Wrestling Podcast. And, of course, Geek Life Radio's own Rad Dad Radio Hour, The Smorgasbord. If you want my body and you think I'm sexy, come on, baby, that is let definitely me know. Not it. Yeah, just stop. Just stop. Not, not it. Stop. Let me know. So, oh, we're letting so, you yes, know. Stop. Yes, yeah, we're we, we're one hundred percent letting you know. No. <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about our uh, our guest here. Uh, you want to do a little plug for yourself and your show? Oh, might as well. Yes, uh, I am Jeff, and I'm from the History of Bad Ideas. Uh, we're a weekly pop culture roundtable where we sit around and discuss things going on currently in the world of television. It's, and, well, sometimes wrestling when certain people are or aren't there. And, uh, yeah, we uh, release every Tuesday. You can find us on any great podcast listening uh, service. If we're not on, then it's not a great one. Let's look at it. So Yeah. And kind of like our sister show or, or brother show. I don't know. We've, we've uh, been doing this for a while and chugging along uh, simultaneously with you guys for quite a few years now. Indeed. And just like Hobie, if you're looking for us as well, you can find us in all the typical podcast places. Find all our back catalog for both of our shows and most podcast apps, programs, websites. That you know, if you if I say all the time for both of us, if you can't find us, you're not looking. I mean, it's just just do a basic search, you'll find us. You can also find eight tracks of our shows in the back of a (laughs) trunk down on the corner. Yeah, but if you'd like to call us specifically at 40 going on 14, you can give us a call, leave us a voicemail at 708 now wrap 708-669-9727, or you can join us on Discord by clicking the join us link in the show notes. Or... Yeah, uh, today we were talking about uh, Pathfinder and Dungeons and Dragons, which I know D&D is an interest of uh, Jeff. It's been Tense. a while since you and I have played D&D. Uh, yeah, since the, I guess, the early days of the uh, pandemic and, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, you and your brother Jim, we we played for a little bit, and then that that thing kind of went away. Uh, I think pe- I think people found well, a the quarantine started loosening up, so people weren't trapped inside as much as they had been. 
And speaking of voicemails, we do oh, have yeah. one. We have yeah. a third in our series from uh, even from New Zealand. So let's uh, cue that up and play that now. And uh, Yvon here again on uh, take three. Uh, I was yeah, I was just saying uh, yeah, cricket. One day is uh, fifty overs per side. Uh, most exciting one day. Uh, internationals, they're always the best. Uh, and then the newest form of the game is called Twenty Twenty, which is twenty overs per side. It's really made for television and for the batsman to smack the ball. Um, yeah, it's about a three-hour game compared to a five-day game. So, yeah, uh, and I think the biggest difference with base with that in baseball is, you know, in, in cricket, um, the batsman is out. I mean, sorry, the, in baseball, the batsman's out after three strikes. But I mean, in cricket, the batsman can be there for like all day. Um, uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, um, I'm uh, I'm not sure if this is a forum, but I mean I'd love to make a suggestion uh, for a future episode, which would be I mean top of my list is Red Dwarf, um, the British science fiction. I mean story goes, um, uh, what's his name Picard? Uh, you know who I mean, Patrick Stewart. You know when he saw it, he he was calling up Hollywood. Uh, to get them to stop making it, but then he saw how bloody funny it was. <laughs> now he's a big fan and loves it. Um, so yes, I, I I hope you you watch you watch and appreciate that show one day. And um, yeah, as I said, um, long time first time caller, long time listener. Um, yeah, hope to chat soon. So we uh, we want to thank Evan for even even right even yeah even, even for calling us again giving us a little bit more uh, cricket knowledge clearing a few things up and uh, Red Dwarf that's a that's an interesting is there a uh, now for Red Dwarf yeah they actually just uh, did a I think it's a continuation of this series it was probably like in the last six months or so and uh, it's got a pretty like rabid fan base like there's I remember watching it as a kid on and off uh, and, and and liking it but uh, yeah, you, yeah you like Doctor Who though. Yeah, it's it's kind of you know like yeah, it's very a, Doctor Whoish. Yeah, it's a animated or not animated. It's a British sci-fi uh, comedy show. Yeah, it's wild because my main exposure to it was actually from the book, and I always found Red Dwarf to be like the I don't want to say discount rate, but it is kind of a great value, Douglas Adams. Yeah, that, that's that's a fair a fair cop. That's, yeah, that's kind of how I've always imagined it. I've never seen it, but that's how I've imagined it. Yeah, a little more space opera. How about you, Jeff? Any Red Dwarf experience? I really have no experience other than I know that they showed it on PBS at some point in time. Yes, that's I've how I saw it. I've never actually watched it. Yep, and that's pretty much my my experience as well. All right. All right well, With that uh, said? Yeah, it's about that time, I suppose. It is about that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. Oh man! All right. Well, that yeah, that that, 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 was got, that got us all fired up. I was, I was expecting right. a big one for my appearance, and I get that. <laughs> so yeah, this weekend, uh, the the date has been chosen as February seventeenth, nineteen eighty nine. That was the release of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It was wrought upon the world on this date. <clears throat> start us off with start us Word off with music. To your mother. Oh my Be god. Excellent Just to each other, Patrick. Do this.
All right. So the number one song in the land was Straight Up by Paula Abdul. I think we've Abdul. talked about this on This Weekend before. And I 100%. Just, I always love this song. I, I, no matter how many times you want to include it in This Weekend, I'll be happy to tell people how much I love this stupid song. And it was it was number one for a few weeks. So, yeah, it's been covered a couple, like think once before, maybe even twice. So is it Paula Abdul's best song? And No. Oh. Oh. What's her best song, Patrick? That's a good question, but I know it's not this. What is there? Oh. <laughs> I'm trying to think of whatever. I know there's another song of hers that I like more. Uh, Opposites um, attract with MC Cool Cat. Definitely not that one. No. Cold Heart. <laughs> yes, that's nice. Nice. Favorite, Cold Hearted yeah. Snake. Yeah, yeah. Because between between the song and the and the uh, beat and the video, yeah, I think that's her best one. I don't know. I think I might like this song better, honestly. But I, I like that whole yeah, whole album decent. for the most part. I, it's a fun record, you know, right. and she's easy on the And I think that's heard. probably what puts Cold Hearted over the top for me and Patrick is the video. It's particularly nice. <clears throat> did you guys see... That um... video? Yes, I did several times. <laughs> no. Sasha Baron Cohen's yeah. uh, Bruno movie not. and Paula Abdul in, in that movie. happened to me. <laughs> she, after I saw that, I, I kind of changed my, it kind of changed my view on her a little bit, but... Yeah, he he got her pretty good. If you've never seen it, it's funny. Yeah, you know how picky if you I like am that kind of thing. Yeah, you would not enjoy Bruno. Yeah, no. But the scene with Paul Abdul is is entertaining. Yeah, but a little mean spirited, maybe. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so moving on, the single "A Better Man" was released by Clint Black on February 18th. It was later named 1989's Billboard Song. This of is the year. worst Better Man, as far as I'm concerned. <gasps> what? It's no Pearl Jam. Exactly. No, I, I I like this song more than I like Pearl Jam's Better Man. I'm trying to think if I even know this song, and it was the song of the year. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't have been listening to the stations that would be playing that. Yeah, in yeah, that's, that's, that's a little. That's, they, that's right on the cusp of of when country started turning bad. So I wouldn't blame anybody for not necessarily knowing Clint Black. Unfortunately, he's really good, but. I like Clint Black, but I, I, I have to agree with the, I don't you would know, know this the song. song I don't think yeah, you have heard Matt and I listen to this song a million times. Yeah. I know Matt the song. I, I like to, this song. I like Clint Black. I just prefer the Pearl Jam version. Right. It's not the same song. That. It's just the same title. Yeah, I get that. But, you know, I, I prefer this Pearl Jam myself. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm sure I have because Matt Brown was definitely... A huge Clint Black fan and played him a lot. (laughs) Yes, I said flan. Clint Black flan, new from (laughs) Raymond Custardy. Oh. (laughs) He's got to do something since he had those strokes. Stroke. Thanks. Uh, Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Thanks for following up that joke with that. I already ruined it. So uh, before something else bad goes wrong here, on February 12th, Roy Orbison joined Elvis not, Presley yeah, <laughs> in yeah. heaven. No, Roy Orbison joined Elvis Presley as the only singers to ever simultaneously have two top five albums on the Billboard charts. I wonder if that's yeah. still true today. Wow. Oh, yeah, hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Probably. Good... Yeah, he was. He um he charted with the Traveling Wilburys and his uh, last album, mm-hmm. uh, Wedding Singer. Yeah, and Elvis did wow. it. Elvis did it several times. That's impressive. All right, uh, this week Tiny Tim launched an unsuccessful campaign to be elected Tim mayor of New York City. I, I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask anyway. Have any of you guys seen um, uh, Bill Rebane's film Blood Harvest that stars Tiny Tim? Not. It's a horror no. film. I own three copies. I own three copies of it. Where so he's in case dressed... something happens to one of them, I still have two. That sounds plausible. Well. <laughs> Tiny Tim is dressed in in oh, clown sounds... makeup the entire film. Horrifying. And he 
plays kind of a uh, he's got some behavioral health issues. The character does that or way. Tiny Tim. Um, yes. <laughs> well, yes, but primarily the character. Uh, but yes, I do. I do. Patrick on this on Blu-ray too. Color me shocked. You know, but it's it's entertaining. Uh, it's not a great film, of course, but it is entertaining. And uh, Tiny Tim, you the know, inspiration from so, Mister anyway. uh, No No Vincent Crane. <laughs> True. Oh, maybe in some sort of like. I've always thought Mister No No sounded like Tiny Tim. Yep. Soul Ghost a little bit too. Yeah, they're kind of of the same ilk. So Vincent Crane, born Vincent Rodney Cheeseman on February 14th, was an English keyboardist who was best known as the organist for Atomic Rooster and the acronym of the week, TCWOAB. Uh, I'm pretty sure that stands for the uh, cockwobble of Antonio Banderas. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, very... Are you mocking my cockwobble? That's giving me the vapors. <laughs> very, very close. That was the crazy world of Arthur Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure that's a relative. <laughs> Crane co wrote Fire, the 1968 hit single by The Crazy World. Whatever of that was Brown. that Patrick. Yes, How do you have the perfect last Brown. name and change it to Crane? <laughs> <laughs> He's the cheese man. <laughs> right? Now, would that be hey, pronounced Chessman? I think cheese. It's oh. probably Cheeseman. Yeah. 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 And finally, Bri O'Reilly, born Brian O'Reilly, and known professionally as Bri or <laughs> Bri Bri, is an Irish singer-songwriter from Dublin. Bri's eponymous debut album was released on November 11, 2016. At the time of the album's release, Bri was opening for 21 Pilots on the European leg of their Emotional Road to <laughs> World Tour. I was uh, really big at the end there. <laughs> yeah. I, you turned into Ed Sullivan all of a sudden. I got a, yeah, I had a slight Sullivanation, and so I just wrote it out. Really big road show. Tried to cover it. <laughs> road show with 21 Pilots. All right, moving on to movies. Pilot. The number one movie in the land was Twins, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito, and David Caruso. <laughs> yeah, he had a bit. He had a bit part as a hitman. <laughs> he was the other twin. Elizabeth Chase Olson, born on February 16th in California, began acting at age four. She starred in her debut film role in the thriller Martha Marcy May Marlene in 2001, for which she was nominated for many accolades, followed by a role in the horror film Silent House. She gained worldwide recognition for her portrayal of Wanda Maximoff slash the Scarlet Witch in the MCU media franchise, appearing in Avengers Age of Ultron, Captain America Civil War, Avengers Infinity War, and Endgame, as well as the miniseries WandaVision. Her performance in WandaVision for Disney Plus garnered her a Primetime Emmy Award nomination. Other films she's been in include Godzilla, Wind River, Ingrid Goes West, and the series Sorry for Your Loss. I want to see Ingrid Goes West. That's uh, Aubrey Plaza in it as the lead. That's intriguing enough to want to see it. And it's not a high bar to clear, but she's right? definitely my favorite of the Olsen siblings. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Did you guys ever see the, the one uh, award show that Seth Rogen was at? And he started roasting Elizabeth Olsen a little bit. He's, he's like, who who knew there was a normal Olsen? Where have they been hiding her? And all, you know, it goes off with this whole thing. It's really funny. Nice. <laughs> Bore. Like, she, he's like, she's the best Olsen. And she was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Now, apparently right. they have a brother. Maybe he's uh, ranked high or somewhere. I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't I know anything know about that. a brother. Yeah. All right. Born February 21st, dolls. Corbin Blue Rivers, known professionally as Corbin Blue, is an American actor, model, dancer, film producer, and singer-songwriter. He performed in the high school musical film series and songs from that film and uh, in the series charted worldwide with the song I Don't Dance making the Billboard Hot 100. During this time, he also starred in Jump In, The Little Engine That Could, Scary or Die, Nurse 3D, Sugar, The Monkey's Paw, and Walk, Ride, Rodeo. I'm not You're doing not any of those You're not going to jump in things. the little engine that could? Uh, You're not doing the monkey's paw? I am. Doing the monkey's paw. Whip, whip. Uh, I, I was so excited when I like saw the poster for Nurse 3D. I'm like, that looks interesting. And then I was reading all these good reviews of it. And then I finally watched it, and I was like, Ugh. I did not, <laughs> did I did not care for 3D? it. No, I, 3D doesn't really work for me because I'm partially uh, and, colorblind. I don't imagine the, it does the, very well for your vertigo either. No, you, no. You're falling over like Liza so, Minnelli. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't do 3D. The the oh, God. Just thinking about that's making me yeah. a little dizzy. Yeah. Just thinking about Liza <laughs> Minnelli, actually. It's, 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 it's not it's, even in a roll. Just... <laughs> Wait. Getting a little... Come down, that, David Guest. She'll be happening. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing that ah. we should move on to television. We totally should. Yeah, when and we're talking TV. about Venus. <laughs> um, the top shows in the land were The Cosby Show, Different World, Cheers, and The Golden Girls. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yep. Would... Why does it say Golden Girl? Just, you know, Is that a different show? Oh. What, what's that girls? show called, Pat? Girl. Golden Girl. Girl. Hey, girl. Uh, uh, the... Mean to make fun of people's speech impediments, you bully. All right. The <laughs> first annual Grammy Awards were held on February 22nd. The album of the year went to George Michael for Faith. Song of the year went to Bobby McFerrin for Don't Worry, Be Happy. The first ever Spanish language commercial for Pepsi aired during the Emmy Awards. Ay, Dios <laughs> mío. Yo no yeah. tengo mi gato. So this is 1989, and I, I was really into both the album Faith and the song Don't Worry, Be Happy, so that sounds about right. Yeah, we know you don't Cloying like it, stupid song. It got old quick. I'm assuming you're talking about Don't Worry, Be Happy, not Faith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that al- that whole that whole album by George Michael yeah, is, Bobby, is, that Bobby is spot on. Is, is good record. Yeah, Faith, I still listen to beginning to end. I like him, though. Especially, like, some of the lesser-known tracks, like Kissing a Fool. It's a really good album. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is It is really a solid record. Uh, Cord Paul Overstreet was born February 17th. He is an actor and musician, best known for his role as Sam Evans on the Fox television series Glee. On August 26, 2016, he released his debut single, Homeland, through Island Records and Safehouse Records. Glee. I can't say and mm-hmm. sports, but I can say glee. So it just makes you happy to say glee. <laughs> I'd rather yeah. watch a show called Thirst. Thirst. And uh, Kristen Luna Herrera, born February 21st, is best known for his her role as Dana Cruz on the first season of the Nickelodeon series Zoe 101 and as Lourdes del Toro on General Hospital. What, what's her middle name again? What did I say? Oh, jeez! Luna. <laughs> Luna? It, it's Lisa. I don't know where Luna came from. <laughs> like, if Mike had done that, I would have stopped him immediately and been like, nope, nope. 
<laughs> when you did, when you did, just let like, him go. Oh, you were you were doing good. <laughs> yeah, you were confident. You drove right on through, so he figured you didn't yeah. know. Yeah. But better to let you finish. Like, no one would even notice nearby. if you didn't point it out. That's what I'm like, saying. Where did he get Luna? What the? <laughs> I, uh, there oh, Kristen Pereira been... is a big fan of the show. She would have noticed. Well, as, as we say over on uh, Hobie, um, until someone corrects us, we're right. Ooh, I like that. I, I may borrow slash steal that. And I will continue to correct you. <laughs> and I'll be wrong. <laughs> All right, finally, in sports. The 39th National Basketball Association All-Star Game was held at the Astrodome in Houston, Texas on February 12th. The game set a new NBA All-Star attendance record of almost 45,000, despite the fact that neither Magic Johnson nor Larry Bird played, though both were still active in the NBA. Both were selected but sat out due to injuries. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was Magic's replacement for his 19th and final All-Star selection. Though he only scored four points, the game ended on Abdul-Jabbar hitting the final shot of the game, his famous skyhook, which was the last All-Star basket of his career. So was it a buzzer beater to win the game, or were they up by 48 points? Yeah, yeah it, wasn't, it wasn't a close game. It's just, yeah, it's just an inconsequential basket, his last all-star basket, nothing. Yeah, nothing. That's, that's the best part of that trivia, is that skyhook. Yep, yep. Uh, moving on, also on February 12th, Wayne Gretzky set two of his records, his 45th hat trick and his 10th 40-plus goal season. Yeah, you can't even be impressed by Wayne Gretzky's <laughs> records in any given tweet because it's like he set 15 more records. He just – he has all of them. Yeah, he has like literally like 80, 80% of the records in the NHL, something stupid like that, especially if you go into the scoring – you go into the scoring categories. Yeah, he has almost all of them. Like Pele is soccer, Gretzky is. Gretzky's soccer. more anything than anybody. I mean, even Pele is not co- totally comparable because there are other guys that that you could argue were better than him. You cannot argue anybody was better than Gretzky. Like the closest you can get is Gordie Howe, and he is still like you could find one out of ten people that will say Gordie Howe is better, and they'd be wrong. I mean, he's he was more uh, he was more influential to the beginning of the NHL and to the building building of the NHL as it is today. But yeah, he was not a better player. No. Wayne Gretzky is, you know, Wayne Gretzky is to hockey what Tiger Woods was to golf at the at the time of his dominance. There's just clearly nobody even close. No, because like even Michael there, Jordan you could say basketball. people were closer. I mean, the difference between what Gretzky could do and everybody else was just—I mean, it was—it was almost like he was an alien on the on the ice. It was—it was just he was he was just leagues ahead of the best players in the professional league. <laughs> so he was good, is what you're saying. Well, they did start calling him the great one for a reason. I mean, imagine, honestly, and this is kind of what it was like. Imagine if a college-level Division One basketball player came and played basketball with us in our IM games and how good he would be. That's how good Gretzky was compared to other professionals. Like he just he just did what he wanted, but then nobody could stop him. It was he was. I mean, if you ever watch some of his highlights, it, it's one one of the most impressive sports careers of all time. But anyway, I I, I digress. You are correct. Wayne Gretzky has all the records. It's a short version of that. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, uh, Vernon Lewis Lefty Gomez was an American professional baseball player, a left-handed pitcher. Gomez played in the MLB between 1930 and 1943 for the New York Yankees and the Washington Senators. A five-time World Series champion with the Yankees, he was also known for his colorful personality and humor throughout his career and life. After his retirement, he became a popular public speaker. Gomez was elected to the National Baseball Hall of Fame by the Veterans Committee in 1972. 
He died of congestive heart failure on February 17th. A decade later, he was ranked number 73 on the Sporting News list of 100 greatest baseball players and was a nominee for the Major League Baseball All-Century team. Absorbed. Didn't he have, like, all the pitching World Series records? For a while he did, yeah. A lot of them have gotten eclipsed by now, but... But yeah, for a while he was, he was, you know, he and Cy Young were the names in the record book pitching for a while. Yeah. I'm on a trust you on that. And one. that's it for the tweet. You want to play us off, Keyboard Joel? Hello, everybody. It is time for the uh, Bill and Ted show. <laughs> Don't well, sound so excited. Look at the time. I got to go. See you later. <laughs> so yeah, Excellent. <laughs> we started off with. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and gave the option of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey if you wished to took it. I did not wish to took it. I watched yeah. the first one only. All right. Since it didn't make it into the show notes, I'll, I'll hit you with a summary. In a small town of San Dimas, a few miles away from L.A., there are two nearly brain-dead teenage boys going by the names of Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan. They have a dream together of starting their own rock and roll band called the Wild Stallions. Unfortunately, they're still in high school and on the verge of falling out of their school as well, and if they don't pass their upcoming history report, they will be separated as a result of Ted's father sending him to military school. What Bill and Ted do not know is that they must stay together to save the future. So, a man from the future named Rufus comes to help them pass their report. So both Bill and Ted, both Bill and Ted decide to gather up the historical figures which they need for their report. They're hoping this will help them pass their reports so they can keep the band together. It was by John Wiggins, partially uh, edited for content by me, because it was actually written much worse. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I just got back. I don't know if you guys heard, but the ice cream truck's here. And all that. I go. Uh, ding, ding, ding. That. <laughs> that would be my phone. The uh, tagline, one, there are a bunch of taglines on the posters. Like, normally we don't do this, but these are pretty good. Uh, probably the least fun one is Party on Dudes. Then you've got the funniest comedy in the history of history. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. And my personal favorite, history is about to be written by two guys who can't spell. <laughs> uh, those are pretty good. So, now, yeah, we, this, uh, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, do we want to talk about Excellent Adventure, or do we want to also give Bogus's Journeys? Uh... Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll mainly talk about Excellent Adventure, I'm sure, but Bogus Yeah, let's Journey, hit the casting first. Yeah, we're going to, then... let's go over all the all the P's and Q's real quick. Directed by Stephen Herrick, uh, known for Critters, Mr. Holland's Opus, Three Musketeers, and this movie, obviously, um, I'm not familiar with him. Uh, you don't know Stephen Herrick? No, not by name. That is a wild resume, though. Bill and Ted Critters, Mr. Holland's Opus, and The Three Musketeers. Yeah. Critters is fun. I mean, the whole series is fun, but it's, you know, it's 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 a monster movie sort of thing. Never seen it. Mr. Really? Holland's anus, you know. Is I, well, a... I mean, Critters, Tremors, oh. all those. Yeah, I've never seen any of that stuff. Critters was more of a Gremlins knockoff than anything else. Like Ghoulies, Gremlins, Critters all around the same time. And I watched all of those. And uh, Critters 3 with Leonardo DiCaprio. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I hope they do a Critters like <laughs> 5 or whatever so we get to do that for October one of these years. They already uh, did. There's I Critters guess. Attacks and there's Critters Series. There's a was a TV series too. Really? So is this a contender for this year? Or what you set the agenda for talk October? About. <laughs> it, it wasn't until now. I want to watch something good. Uh, well, so critters. All right, it's been. Well, set up. Oh we were God. talking about Rosemary's Baby, Patrick. So that yeah, one is we'll go also... with. I'll go for that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, moving on. Writing credits. This was written by Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon. I was of the opinion that there was no writer, but apparently there was. 
Aww. Chris Matheson uh, wrote, uh, also wrote a Goofy movie and Rapture Palooza, whatever that is. And Ed Solomon had written Super Mario Brothers, Now You See Me, 1 through 3, and The In-Laws. Now, we are just a little too old to have the love for a Goofy movie that exists, <laughs> like, with uh, people who are just a couple years younger than my wife. Like, the Xennials, uh like, the Goofy movie, from what I see on TikTok, is, like, one of the big... Like, the people who uh, were brought to tears by uh, the Blues Clues guy coming back saying he's proud of everybody, fucking love the Goofy movie. It's a true story. <laughs> And these guys, I I watched uh, one of the special features on uh, the Bill and Ted movies. And these two guys, Ed, Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, like when they created the characters, they just came up with kind of the voices. And then they just started, they were improv guys. So they just started talking to each other. And they said they would go on for hours in those characters. And they came up with just various, well, what about if Bill and Ted did this? And what if they did this? And that's kind of where this all sprung from. Oh, my God. Yeah. That makes so much sense because this... This feels to me like something that like two guys do to that's exactly what this feels like to me. When I go out drinking with my buddy with other Mike, we have this group this, this like alter ego boys that we play that are kind of like, you know, the Swedish or the the whatever brothers Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd on Wild and crazy guys. We we call them the party boys and we just run around being being idiots. And I was like, so that's basically like if he and I made a whole movie about those two guys, and it would be hysterical to us and really not that funny to anybody else, and that's what this fucking is. Well, there you go. Well, let's keep it with two, the cast. two idiots taking their, two little, their funny little inside joke and making a movie about it. Except everyone but you loves it. They're fucking wrong. I mean, this is crap. All right, so sorry, we'll get there. we'll get there. I don't, I don't want to spoil it that yeah. I don't like this movie, so we'll get there. What? <laughs> So yeah, we start off with Keanu Reeves and, and, and Alex Winter in the lead roles of Ted and Bill, obviously. The great late George Carlin as Rufus, the person set from the ah, future to genius. be their mentor slash guide you know, through the through the time whatever you want to call it. Time machine, time phone booth, time booth. Time booth, that works. Yeah, yeah. Terry Camilleri as Napoleon. Hmm. I love Frank I don't, Camilleri. I don't know, yeah, I don't know who that is. Do you, you know him anything? Anybody? No. Oh, no. Yeah, Dan Shore. He was Napoleon in uh, Bill and Ted, I think. Dan Shore is Billy the Kid. Yep, <laughs> he was. I, yep, <laughs> I'm not going to bother looking anything up he did. I mean, <laughs> I, he was minor characters in, like, lots of stuff. He was in Air Force One. He was in Tron. Uh, he's still working. He, he also was a, a Steve Gutenberg impersonator for a while. You know, that's big money, man. That is big money. In the days of the of the three men and a baby? Oh, he was just baking. <laughs> I got a Gutenberg. Do you need a Gutenberg? What about a, a riser? Paul Riser? I got a Paul Riser. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Tony Steedman? Steedman? Steedman, yeah. Steedman, yeah. As Socrates. Socrates Johnson. Um, Rod Better known Lu as uh, Dr. Everett Jacobs from Babylon 5. Yeah, if you guys have anything to, to pop in with these guys, because I'm not going to bother clicking on them and looking through, because that, that always starts to I recognized into... him. Yeah. So. Like, so if you got anything to say about these guys, just shout it out. Rod Loomis, anybody? As Freud? Uh, looks like he did a bunch of like uh, soap opera stuff, like the Bold and the Beautiful and General Hospital, stuff like mm -hmm. that. He was in uh, Beastmaster, too. He might have been the best of the actors of all the, of the people of history, in my opinion. But moving oh, on. Oh, you're going to well, diss Al Leong? Well, he did, yeah. I mean, he did his Al Leong thing. He, Al Leong is Genghis Khan doing his uh, martial arts thing. Dude. I mean, that's all a... he needs to do. He's well, Al yeah, Leong. It's a, I mean, it's great stunt work, but it's not acting. I mean, there. 
There's a documentary, you can see it on Amazon, called Henchman, the Al Leong story. And it is is so good. If you like him at all, even in a little bit, you should watch it. I I do like him a lot, but I mean, I'm not going to say that he's doing Shakespeare. I mean, he's, or, you know, any kind of acting at all. He's doing stunt work. I mean, that's fair. I mean, his martial arts skills and, like, personal agility and very, like, distinctive appearance are what he brings to the table. Exactly. And he's a badass, and I love him, but, you know... and Jane that's Wheatley. all they needed for Genghis Khan, yep. right? Exactly. That he did. He did his role like he should have. It's perfect. Jane Wheedlin as Joan of Arc. Um, most people of know her Go-Go's. as yep from the Go Go's. She was the bass player on the Go Go. Yep. Now I will say Jane Wheedlin, as far as I know, had two movie roles in the eighties: this and Bill and Ted, and the Singing Telegram Lady and Clue. Yep. yep. You missed one. Oh, did I miss one? Star Trek for the Voyage Home. That was her other big one. Wow. I remember her in that. Who was she in that? She was a later. pretty minor character. I only know if, if she hadn't been Jane Wheedlin, I would not, not know this because she was a pretty minor character. She was a singing telegram in that too. Uh, <laughs> singing telegram. <laughs> You're singing telegram. She was kind of typecast. So. Yeah, she got shot in every movie she was in. No, that's not true. Pew pew. Robert V. Barron as Abraham Lincoln, um, who kind of looked like him, but. Did not have the gravitas. <laughs> That's his claim to fame. Kind of looks like Lincoln. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> looks like he's a voice guy. Like, looking at his credits, there's a lot of voice work here. Yeah. Clifford David as Beethoven. I got nothing to say about Clifford David. Because <laughs> I was incredibly annoyed by the fact that Beethoven was not deaf, as he should be. Depending on when they took Beethoven. <laughs> you don't bring Beethoven to a party and not have him be deaf. That's what he's known for. What? What? <laughs> The the best deaf composer in the history of the world. I was no very Stevie disappointed. Wonder. I was very disappointed they didn't go for all the easy jokes they could have had with that. Because I'm like, this is a movie of nothing but easy jokes, and you're not going to do that? Come on. What? They might as well make him fucking Mozart at that point. If you're not well, gonna he, fucking... he comes up in, in a later Bill and Ted movie. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Mozart soon. <laughs> yeah. Hal Landon Jr. is Captain Logan. And pretty much he's known for being, being Hal Mr. Landon Logan. Son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bernie Casey, who, um, who is known for many things, he's usually a, a genuine badass at every movie he plays. But in this one, he's just a teacher as Mr. Ryan. I don't even think this is the first movie he's been a teacher in. Nope. Yeah, I was just gonna say he's usually teachers or badasses. Yep. <laughs> or both. A lot of cops. Sometimes he's a badass teacher. Yep. Amy Stotch as Missy slash stepmom <laughs> slash mom slash Jesus. She gets around a lot. Yeah. Well, but, but yeah. I, I I would just like to say that I was very impressed that she came back for all the movies. Right? They were really good about getting the actors back for the movies. Just except in except for the medieval babes, because after the first one, they were different for the second one and for the third, the third one. one. I was a little disappointed because I like Diane Franklin. Right? Yeah. Same. Yeah, I I agree. He touched me with his testicles. <laughs> what tentacles? He uses it as an excuse to put his testicles all over me. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? You know, like like I could push testicles. <laughs> oh, nt. Big difference. <laughs> so yeah, the moving on. J. Patrick McNamara as Mr. Preston. McNamara. McNamara or McNamara, or however they want to pronounce it, pronounced either way. I don't know which way he pronounced it. I'm not going to. Damn it. Because he just played. Mr. Preston. Bill's, Bill's dad, basically. Yeah. Oh, no. By all means, go on. Let's spend five minutes on Mr. McNamara. All right. So, <laughs> clicking on the link, it shows that he's been in. <laughs> Diane Franklin, the, the 
one of the quintessential '80s romantic comedy type it girls, mm-hmm. uh, famously known for uh, her role as the French girl in Better Off Dead. Yep, Monique. She she played Princess Joanna, and then the other princess, Princess Elizabeth, played by Kimberly Cates. I don't know her from anything. Do you guys know her from anything? No, nah, she was one of the girlfriends on Seinfeld. That's about the only thing. There were a lot of people that were that. I was a girlfriend on Seinfeld. <laughs> All right, this is it's time that I break it to you, Joel. That was not Seinfeld. That was just me. What? Yeah. What's the deal with my penis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you were my girlfriend for a week. You didn't know that. You thought you were on Seinfeld. Who was the bald guy? <laughs> that- that was my penis. <laughs> I wondered why I didn't have any lines. I couldn't even get through it. <laughs> George is getting upset. <laughs> All right, let's hit some trivia. Yeah, so Alex Winter claimed that he gets two types of letters from teachers, positive ones from history teachers for encouraging students to learn about history, and negative ones from English teachers for affecting the way students speak. Whoa. You should get a third type from Vampire Hunters. <laughs> <laughs> that is most excellent. Yeah, I get that. It's funny. Yeah, I'm, no, I, that's Alex Winter. Like, I don't think of him first in the Bill and Ted movies. I know no. that's weird. I think of him first in Lost Boys. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's, all, that's the only way I knew him before. I this. think of him first in Freaked. Never seen it. Me either. You With Keanu Reeves as the dog face boy and Rant. Uh, I'm, I thought you watched that with me in the apartment with. Uh, Randy Quaid as the uh, freak show, like, circus ring yeah, master. You, Joel, I was drunk a lot when we were <laughs> Yeah, we all were, but anyway. Not, not, not as much as Josh was. <laughs> right. In the original script, the time machine was a 1969 Chevy van. Yep. The filmmakers thought that was too similar to Back to the Future, so they changed it to a phone booth, apparently unconcerned that Doctor Who uses a police telephone box as their time Unconcerned yeah. or ignorant of the fact. Right. I think that's probably more likely. Plus, you know, Chevy Van, their implications. You know, right. Okay. I mean, it could have been an homage. You know, they chose for the Doctor Who. But the yeah, implications. It, originally, originally, it was an implication for the um, for the for Shazam. They were trying to do an homage. Oh, uh, nobody does 69 that. 69 Chevy Van implication. This joke has run out of steam. We're going to keep talking. Let's go back to talking about J. Patrick McNamara. <laughs> <laughs> So the spelling of McNamara dates back <laughs> to the... In 2010, the city of San Dimas, California, celebrated 50 years of incorporation. The celebration slogan was San Dimas, 1960-2010, an excellent adventure. See, the way they put that is like the town is going to end in 2010. Right? <laughs> we had a good run, folks. <laughs> do, you, do you know something we don't know? We are unincorporating. The city is done. Thank have you. Good, good night. <laughs> In April of 2013, Alex Winter called casting George Carlin a very happy accident. They were going after some serious people first, like Sir Sean Connery, and someone had the idea, way after we started shooting, of using George. That whole movie was a happy accident. No one thought it would ever see the light of day. Okay, I love this movie, but the idea that they got done with it and never thought anyone would see it actually scans. (laughs) 
The centermost future dude was played by Clarence Clemens, who was the saxophone player for Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band during their heyday. He is best remembered for his solo on the song Born to Run. That's some trivial trivia. They they called him Big Big Man. Man. Yep, that was his nickname. And lastly, in an interview with Starlog Magazine, Chris Matheson said he didn't intend for this to be a science fiction movie. I tried to consciously fight it out of a desire to break away, but maybe I have a predilection towards that because of my dad, Matheson said, of fantasy elements that emerged. He's a great writer and craftsman and always has suggestions. In fact, it was his father, Richard Matheson's idea that the time travel story be its own movie. We were going to write a sketch film with this as one of the skits, but my dad said, that sounds like a whole movie, Matheson recalled. And he was right. Okay, I gotta say that if you're annoyed by Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan just doing their dude routine, you've removed the time travel aspect, and it is not a good movie. Oh, not at all. As I you know can... Patrick's going to argue it's not a good movie anyway, but it's, in my view, with you remove time travel and it's completely unwatchable. Yeah, well, I agree with that 100%. Like, if, if yeah. you'd had two different characters, I wouldn't have minded this as much, to be completely honest with you. Okay, I well, let's break into this real, with our... Re- I was just going to say, I got real, real, real sick of, of the two of them, like, within 30 seconds. I was like, okay, I hate this already. All right, so we'll start with our typical question. We know for Patrick this was his first time. Is this the first time or first time in a while for any of us? Uh, first time in a while since I've seen it. I saw both of the first two in the theaters, um, but I've not watched either one of them in a very long time. I've probably seen this recently, like as it was being run, rerun somewhere on cable, like with the past year or two yeah i'm with you jeff where this is not a movie that's going to be up there with my casablancas and my raiders the lost ark as part of my identity this is like in that second tier where it's a pretty important movie but it's going to get edged out by the your princess brides and your indiana jones and your star wars stuff that doesn't suck but this is you a have an emotional film. connection to this so it does it, it kind of overrides the suck i mean but i you even all, told at you. your heart you know it doesn't you you know it sucks yeah so i mean it, no my wi-fi password is related to this movie i know <laughs> but i mean I, I use like pop culture references to things that i don't necessarily think are great necessarily just because they're good mm. pop culture reference that doesn't make wow it. and that's the thing is i do love this movie but if you ask me is this movie great i have to think about it and i probably do come down on the side of no well, and you know it's it's interesting because I, uh, I I remembered enjoying it as a kid, and I decided you know I'm gonna like get the whole family together. We're gonna watch this uh, with my kids and Laura. And usually my kids will get behind. It doesn't matter how old the movie is; they usually get behind it. And my oldest actually enjoyed it, wanted to see the second one and the third one, but my youngest was like, do we have to watch the second one? And then was like, I don't want to watch the third one. <laughs> so, eh, but yeah, it's it's not a great wow. film. We finally agree on something, me and Isaiah. <laughs> <laughs> it It's not a great film, no, but it's got such a strong pop culture influence. And I have to admit, everything from the mall on, I really, really enjoy it. Well, and I was talking to Pat about this. It asks to me a very interesting question. Uh, that question is, what if the time travelers that were destined to be super important were fucking idiots? Because in general, time travelers and chosen ones are highly competent individuals. Bill and Ted are not highly competent at anything. And to me, that's a funny question with a funny answer. That was mu- done much better in Idiocracy. See, I don't. 
I don't agree with that statement. Oh, I put, that, I'd put, I like Bill and Ted better than Idiocracy. <laughs> Who is this I, guy? Get out of here. Uh, you know that I'm with him on Idiocracy, considering it is statistically incorrect. <laughs> It's just, okay. a, it's, a, it's just a better movie than this movie, though. Like, uh, I, I like, yeah, like you said, uh, when when you take, like, the two most unexpected people to have a futuristic society based upon, and uh, just, you know, mixing and matching all the, the ways that they had to get there through, you know, the time travel and the future and going back to the past and trying to, you know, the, the interaction with history, I thought, was, was amusing in this where yeah, people who that's the thing is it's only charming because these guys are idiots yeah if these guys weren't idiots then then the time travel stuff means nothing well and they're also fairly harmless and nothing they do is mean-spirited they may be dumb and they may do stupid things and and cause problems but it's never out of spite or malice or anything it's a very good-natured film like you can watch it and be like you know yeah that's that was fun i had a good time that's a good point because that was another thing that Pat and I were talking about earlier today is that uh, these guys are genuinely good people. They're just not good at being people. <laughs> yes. Yeah, very, very much so. And, you know, it's got to be hard as as um, a Matheson to step in and, and have that shadow of your father, who's kind of a pretty well-respected science fiction author. Um, I mean, the man wrote I Am Legend, you know, but... Uh, uh, he made his own path, and this thing turned into a phenomenon. I mean, it spawned a cartoon series and a live-action show and two sequels. So they did something right. And video games and comic books. Action figures. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and maybe it was be partially because of it being 1989. I am just about to go into high school. But, like, I didn't imitate these guys, but I just thought it was awesome that you've got these surfer rock burnouts having a time travel adventure. They don't know who these people are. They don't appreciate how important it is. But they're just having fun and trying to do something good for everybody. Yeah, I, I never emulated them. I never wanted to be like them. Uh it, well, and then I, I did enjoy the soundtrack as well, but that's a side thing. They always have good soundtracks. All right, so now we've come to the sh part of the show where we've gushed about it, and Pat is ready to shit all over what we love. Oh, yeah. Well, Hold on, let me I open mean, my I mouth. Do, I do have a, a, a natural bias against this movie to begin with, one of the reasons why I never watched it. It's just I don't enjoy stupidity. It's like one of my biggest pet peeves in life. I hate being around stupidity. I hate dealing with it. I have enough of it in my own life. I don't want to watch it in my entertainment. If I'm going to watch stupid people do something, it's got to be either really dramatic or really funny or really whatever. It's got to be Jackass. very well written. Yeah, exactly. And this is just not that. I mean, I love Jackass way more than I love this. And it is it is definitely dumber, but it's just not – it's better written. I mean, it's just – this is just not – I don't find anything appealing about let's stick some dummies in into major historical events and let's just see what happens. I'm like, I'm not into that. That's just not a, that's not appealing to me. I want them to do something. I want it to be something. I don't want it to just be two idiots being idiots while everything happens around them. Okay, I'll throw I this out there. My, 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 my penultimate <laughs> number one example of like completely stupid humor that is done well and intelligently is is always probably until the day i die going to be dumb and dumber there's nothing dumber 
than that movie as far as just two big-time idiots. They are dumber than these two guys. They really are. But that movie is so much better, so much funnier, so much better written, so much better in every in every way than this because they actually put effort into it they, to make it funny. This, they just said, hey, let's just have these guys say the same thing all the time together and they like, have their little sayings that they do and their little guitar playing and everything and everything else is happening regardless of whatever they do and everything's going around and they're just there and everything. It's just, there's no cohesion. There's no attempt to make it good there's no it's just how funny would it be to throw these guys in every situation ha 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 like some people you know like sometimes you need a, a script to have words and and things you can't just improv through everything like okay. just because your background is in improv doesn't mean you throw people your actors into improv maybe they're not good at it make give them words give them lines give them give a plot give something that more more than just throw everything together and hope it sticks this is not me in any way trying to like dunk on you or uh, like contradict anything you say, but it bothers me every time Mike makes this mistake. So I have to say penultimate is second best, not ultimate, not the best. Well, whatever. <laughs> I, I know. It just, it, <laughs> I've been waiting this whole time. Oh, yeah, okay. But that, do, that doesn't invalidate any of my argument. That, and that was why I qualified it. It was yeah. like, I'm not trying to invalidate your argument. It just, it bothers me every time Mike does it. It's simply the second best. Yes. That's what <laughs> penultimate means. Right, well, Not quite as good as all the rest. <laughs> okay, sorry. What, Jeff? No, I was going to well, say. Thanks for waiting to call me out for that instead of calling Mike out on it. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say if Patrick really, really is saying this about the movie, I really want him to go watch the cartoon from 1990. I'm just not and going then to. come back and watch this movie, yeah. and this movie will be heads well, I'm and just, tails I'm, just not, I'm not going to. I mean, I said before that, that my time is worth nothing, and I don't mind wasting it, but I'm also just not going to straight up piss it away on just something stupid well, when, I could, I, when I could piss it away on something that's at least going to be enjoyable. Patrick, don't piss on hospitality. Um, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to watch the cartoon or the uh, live-action series, so Jeff, is it really that bad? Oh, it is. Um, I watched three episodes of the live-action series uh, from 1992, and different actors, uh, I think everything but, I think Missy might have been uh, been there. The same actress was in the, the show, played Missy in, in the movies. But wow, it was, it was tough. I mean, you, you think... You no, know, Keanu and Alex playing dumb. They look like geniuses compared to the guys they got for the TV show. I think that was and a Saturday morning cartoon, wasn't it? It was also a Saturday morning cartoon. They did a cartoon in 1990, and I think the second season ran simultaneous with the live action show on Fox, which had like eight episodes. See, I I think I just in my mind realized something. It's like what I like about Bill and Bill, uh, Dumb and Dumber versus Bill and Ted is that. In Dumb and Dumber, they are con- the dumb guys are constantly the butt of the joke. And in Bill and Ted, they're basically celebrating their dumbness instead of, like, making fun of it. And I think that's what kind of bugs me. Is that they're the heroes? Yeah. Like, they're, they're, they're idiots. They're not supposed to be, you know, the saviors. Uh, no, that, that's not exactly right because it is – that premise is part of the, the enjoyment of it. But, like, they're never the butt of the joke That without them being – the ones throwing themselves as the butt of the joke. Like they're always in control of, of who makes fun of them, and that uh, that doesn't sit well with me. Like like the fact that they're these two guys with with, with literally an IQ of, of like two, and these girls are just automatically like you know swooning for them. You know it just makes no sense. 
they bumble their way through things and to being the most important people in the universe, which is sort of the whole concept. And I get right. that you and, don't like the whole concept, but like, yeah, that's that's literally the movie. Yeah, and I get <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I get that that's the concept. I just I I I don't I don't endorse it. Yeah, you would. And, and they have. To, <laughs> oh, go ahead. They also did one of the things that you guys know that I absolutely hate, which is creating false drama. That whole bullshit when he rolls down the stairs in the suit of armor, and then they get stabbed through the suit of armor, and then suddenly <laughs> he's like, "Oh no, I fell out of it. It's all cool. Shut up. Fuck you." bullshit no that's you, know, you don't fall out of a suit of armor first of all and secondly why do the whole oh he's stabbed he's dead that's just false drama and i hate that shit i would have liked it i would have taken it even more if they if, if they said oh that was a suit of armor that was standing there that i knocked over and i'm still standing here in my suit of armor that would have been even more acceptable no i i, I will give you credit on that that was like a terrible part of the yeah suit of armor Okay. Speaking of terrible things, like I personally, we don't want to go in depth on Bogus Journey, but unfortunately, in order to completely understand the remake, you have to at least touch on Bogus Journey because some of Bogus Journey, some of uh, Face the Music doesn't make sense if you don't know the plot. And I personally did not care for it because it gets a little too silly, which considering how much I love Excellent Adventure is saying something. So basically, Bill and Ted try to tell the story of how they think they write the song that brings the world together. And in the process, they play Twister with Death. Death joins their band. Bass player, yep. It goes a little off the rails. I will agree that, yeah, Bogus Journey. I remember when when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, this is none of the joy that I got from Excellent Adventure. And I hadn't seen that one probably since the early 90s. And so I rewatched it and I'm like, actually, it's probably just as bad as I was remembering because there wasn't, outside of a couple of scenes with death, everything else in the movie I thought was terrible. See, and I think that's the two big things that it has going for it are William Sadler, just because I like William Sadler, and the soundtrack is better. Which but isn't, you know. It gave us the Kiss song, God Gave Rock and Roll to You. It introduced me to quite a few bands, actually, that uh, 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 I kind of fell in love with and, and followed after the, the, the movie. But, yeah, I mean, and it's got its problems. And uh, I hate the design of Station. I know some people like Station, but oh, no. oh, I hated the design. I'm with you. Terrible. I don't know. I, I just... Yeah, I remember only seeing Bogus Journey uh, once, and I did not rewatch it for this show because I had such negative opinions of it. That they would, the negative opinions would still hold, I, I bet, because they did for me. It has its moments, but in order to kind of, because they reference, like you were saying, they like just the newspaper clippings at the end during the credits of, of Bogus Journey are referenced in Face the Music, like a lot. Yeah. So they, they really tie all three. There's continuity between all three films. Uh, yeah, I'm glad they didn't just write it out and pretend like it didn't exist because they made yeah. it. They have to own up to it. But, I mean, honestly, like I said, outside of William Sadler doing the Grim Reaper, I mean, pretty much any scene he's not in, the, the movie could just go away. Yeah, and I do always appreciate, like, no matter how dumb your continuity is, like, if you've built a history, refer to that history. I am all about that. Right. And don't yes. break your own rules that you've set up. That's another I, thing that drives me crazy. I love continuity. Um, and shows like Star Trek, uh, Doctor Who. Um, there's something I was just watching recently that had some 
continuity to it. I can't remember, but you know, it's important and that they, they did maintain that even if it's not, you know, the biggest, brightest, best world. We were talking uh, about the matrix earlier and it looks like e- even stuff that flopped is going to be referred to uh, in the new matrix film. Speaking of another Keanu joint. Oh, that's yeah. You just reminded me of the other continuity thing we just talked about on the chats. Uh, the new Halloween kills that's coming out. They directly reference part three uh, and part three is now canon in terms of the new timeline for Halloween. So there you go. Even the redheaded stepchild. And I can dig that. All right. So are we to the point where we want to take a break and then come back and talk about facing the music? Uh, I think so. Anybody else got anything to say? Don't think I have anything else to add right now. This movie blew ass. <laughs> Noted. So is your face. How else would you blow? Oh, good good point. Never mind. All right, so we're going to take a break now. When we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music. And we are off to the races. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We are now in the now. We're in the now now. Now! With Jeff now. <laughs> that oh. you're going to oh. We are going to be talking about like. what? Bill and Ted Face the Music, the 2020 movie released on Hulu. Was it released in theaters? I don't think so. Because it couldn't it, have been. 2020. It couldn't have been. Uh, it must, I, just, must have just been released on Hulu, I guess. I, I, I think it did have a theatrical release. I don't think it was a huge one, but I do think it went to the theater. Yeah, I th- I very, think very was... late in 2020, yeah. Then, right? Yeah, I think it was, it was September of 2020. All right, that and that's fun. about when mm-hmm. some movies had opened the end of August, I think, at least locally, our theaters yeah. were. I know uh, that in Chicago, it was at the Music Box, but that was like a limited release where you had to like uh, rent out the whole theater. Yeah, like August that. 28th, 2020, it said it was uh, theatrical and internet, is how they have it listed on IMDb. And they were doing, I'm sure, like, you know, low-capacity theaters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anyway, yeah, so directed by Dean Parasot, Pariso? Maybe? I don't know. Uh, As far as I know, he's not a fan of the show. You'll get away with that one. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Uh, stop mispronouncing my name! And if we do get a voicemail from him, that would be amazing. Yes, Dean, contact us. And and correct me on my pronunciation. Uh, Famous for uh, Galaxy Quest and uh, Red 2. The uh, movie about the old retired uh, spies, assassins. Yeah, uh, I like I like both the red films and Galaxy Quest. Come on, yeah, the Galaxy Quest is so fucking good. classic. So much better than I did. It's just such a yeah, such a classic. It really is. It's, yeah. a sci- it's a sci-fi nerd. It's part of it's part of the. I don't know if I would say Mount Rushmore, but at least in the comedy side, it is. For it's like people. a love letter to to science fiction yeah. fans, Star Trek fun, fans. Fun movie. What do you think about it? You like that movie, Jeff? Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Stay, okay. Make sure. <laughs> oh. Otherwise, you were you're, we're gonna... you're gonna get one strike against you. I was just checking. <laughs> yep. All right. Writing credits: We got uh, Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon from the first movie, um, and then Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon uh, coming back to work on this one again. So same dudes. Yep. Continuity. That's not continuity. I mean, it is, but it's not. <laughs> All right. Okay. Going on the cast. Okay. Uh, in the roles of Ted and Bill, of course, we have Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. We're all, you know, expected that. New people, we've got uh, Kristen Schaal as Kelly, the daughter of Rufus. Kristen Schaal, if you don't know her, um, probably most famous right now for Bob's Burgers, where she voices uh, Louise. She's been uh, a stand-up comedian for many years, been in a bunch of different sitcoms. Was Last on Man Rock. on Earth. Yeah. Last uh, Man on Earth, 30 Rock. Uh, she's recently rejoined uh, What We Do in the Shadows this season. 
Yeah, she has. She's she's very hot right now and um just really funny. Nice nice and quirky and she's just a lot of fun. Great voice. Yep. Uh, I saw an interview with her on Conan O'Brien where she was talking about her voice is much sultrier in her head. <laughs> she's like, I think I'm out there being sexy all the time and then no, not so much. <laughs> was that your Kristen Schaal impression? Kinda. A little bit. Okay. It's good. It was, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, Samara Weaving or Samara, Samara, I think. Samara, Samara yeah. yeah, as Thea. And... I like Samara Weaving. I do too. And I'm glad she's getting all. She's kind of like some people might think she's like the great value uh, Margot Robbie, but she's not. Or Margot Robbie, however you say it. Robbie. She's she's awesome, and she's everywhere right now too. Margot Hottie, I think. Is... Anyway, sorry. Bridget Lundy Payne as Billy. Uh, my one word review for her. <laughs> Oh, boo. <laughs> boo this man. You're not going to win my affections doing a really bad Keanu Reeves impression. I thought she did a good uh, version of like what his daughter would be like. Ugh. Moving on. We'll get to it. William Sadler as death again. Return to uh, death. He's been in a bunch of stuff. If you don't know who William Sadler is, look him up. Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. See his ass in Die Hard 2. That's that's a true point. Yeah, the ass of death. <laughs> that's, that's what we like... used to call Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We still For do. Good reason. <laughs> uh, Anthony Kerrigan as uh, Dennis Caleb McCoy. I thought it was uh, um, Bill Sarsgaard for a while. Uh, yeah, the only yeah. I recognize him was he in Gotham as Victor Zayas. Oh, good pull. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Laura had to tell me that. And we watched Gotham for the show, but she's like, he's on that Batman show. <laughs> I was I like, oh. I didn't watch it far enough to get to his appearance, yeah. I think. Probably a wise move. Right, yeah, I just was very disappointed. Right. Aaron Hayes as Elizabeth and Jayma Mays as Joanna, the, the newest versions of Elizabeth and Joanna. I love Aaron Hayes. I, I love Jayma Mays. I love Lamb. And, and, I love <laughs> Will, and I love Willie Mays. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, they didn't really have you know a whole lot to do in this movie, no. even though they had a whole lot of scenes. <laughs> they just appear yeah. and disappear, appear and disappear. <laughs> they were very much in the background for a lot, but yeah. Yeah, uh, Hal Landon Jr. back again for his role as Chief Logan and Bill's dad. Uh, Beck Bennett making his appearance. Uh, Beck Bennett from Saturday Night Live as Deacon, the son of uh, Hal Landon Jr. and the Bill. He was just sort of there. Yep. <clears throat> I got a feeling that a lot of his stuff ended up on the cutting floor. I, I'd say that's fair. Yeah. Because I mean, maybe he's a, he just another, wanted he's another to be imp- part of this. He's just another. He's another improv guy, so he probably has a lot of stuff that just didn't didn't make the movie. Honestly, I think that's why a lot of the people were in this movie is they grew up on it and they wanted to be a part of it. Yeah, we'll that's, get that's, to that. That's the vibe I got from a lot of the the cameos. You know, they yeah. just wanted like Dave Grohl's cameo. He just wanted to be in the movie, kind of. Kid Cudi, same thing. He just wanted to be in the movie. Can anybody give me a Kid Cudi song? Anybody? Yeah, someone can. None of us. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I'm. Josh is our best bet. <laughs> I feel like I'm supposed to know something more about him than I do, but I really don't. All and I can tell you about. Yeah. Go ahead. Go I'm ahead. Sorry. Familiar with him, but I couldn't actually tell you one of his tracks. Yeah. And all I can tell you about him is that my niece is a big fan, and she could name all his songs if she were here. That's all I can add. Brittany, okay. the oldest one, the thirty-year-old. She she's a big Goody fan. All right, moving on. Once again, Amy Stotch as Missy, the uh, passed around mother slash wife <laughs> slash mother-in-law slash sister slash whatever. She's she's filled in all the roles of, of for everyone in this. 
I think someone's filled in. I haven't decided if I am amused by the fact that yeah, she you know married uh, Ted's their Bill's dad in the first one, and Ted's dad in the second one, and now is marrying Ted's brother. And I haven't decided if I like that joke or not. Well, if you look at the the at the credits of Bogus Journey, she married uh uh the main bad guy. That's right. I did notice that. Yeah. Yeah. She <laughs> she she made her rounds. Then you got uh, Holland Taylor uh, as the great leader of the future, replacing uh, the big guy, Clarence Clemens, and getting a lot more lines. Yep. Uh, Holland Taylor probably, you know, has a very long storied career, been in a whole bunch of sitcoms, movies, but probably most famous as the mother from Two and a Half Men. Oh, oh that's what? why. I would say I would say probably to her chagrin, if it wasn't for the, the her bank account, she would probably not be not be happy about that. But, I first know her from Bosom Buddies. Yep. Oh, that, good call. Oh, yeah. yeah, she was the 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 head of the flop yeah. house or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, Jillian Bell as Doctor Taylor Wood. Oh, I love her too. <laughs> and side note, Josh. This is just for the two of us, so um, excellent radio. But uh, in this movie, she looked just like the Galuli. <laughs> okay. I if it, I like Jillian Bell because of uh, Workaholics is where I first saw her. But anytime she pops up in a movie, I'm I'm happy. She might, she hits my sweet spot for whatever reason. And then we got uh, we we got the the cameo I mentioned earlier, Dave Grohl as himself. Uh, Who? Yeah. Dazman still playing Jimi Hendrix. Jeremiah Croft or Kraft, I'm sorry, as Louis Armstrong, Sharon Gee as Ling Lun, Patty Ann Miller as Grom, and George Carlin as Rufus in archive footage. Which I thought I it was a nice touch to to, yeah, to exactly. at least put was, him in there. It was it was it was a cool little nod. He just but yeah. Um if you have anything to add about any of those uh people playing the celebrities, but I don't really know any of them myself. Which by the way, after watching uh the second movie I introduced my kids to the seven words you can't say, <laughs> and uh, they, they enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, he, he was a master wordsmith. He was. Rest in peace. All right, let's get some trivia out of the way, and we can begin discussing the greatness of Bill and Ted. He said, "With eyes wide." With eyes wide open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn you for greed. Creed, the penultimate band. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I hate you guys. All right. During filming in a neighborhood in Louisiana, the cast and crew were often greeted by local residents. One day, Keanu Reeves noticed a sign on a lawn that read, You're breathtaking. He stopped, got out of the car, went to the sign, and autographed it. After finding out who the sign belonged to, he went to the family and posed for a photo with them. Kind of egotistical to assume you were talking about him, though. Could have been Did anybody. you actually not know that yeah, story? Yeah, I know that story. Okay, I was, it was video game, so I wasn't sure you did. Yeah, I, I've heard it before. Yeah. All right, alt-rock band Weezer released an original song, Beginning of the End, Wild Stallions edit, as the first single for the film soundtrack on August 14, 2020. Weezer's first gig was a closing act for the alt-rock band Dog Star in 1992, which Keanu Reeves was a member of at the time. Oh, Ooh. that's good trivia. That is good trivia. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. In this film, Kelly is Rufus's daughter. The late George Carlin played Rufus in the first two Bill and Ted films, and his real-life daughter's name is Kelly. This Kelly role is named as a way to recognize and honor Carlin. Oh. Okay. That's pretty cool. I wasn't sure that trivia was going to be good, but they turned it around. (laughs) 
Once the characters are told they have 77 minutes to save the universe, there's actually 77 minutes of runtime left. I love when movies do. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. Huh. Oh, because. Right. Yeah, that's great because usually they say, oh, you've got five minutes, and then 20 minutes later in clock time, right? you've still got five minutes. Like there's, that show, twenty four. Yes, two different <laughs> movies that do that. Yeah, where they they mention a, we've only got this much time left, and that's how much time's left in the movie. I love when they do that. No, I wonder if they had to edit the movie so they could actually get the seventy seven minutes. Like, okay, it's got to run exactly this amount of time. So no, we got to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that was fully intentional. Yeah. <laughs> Motuch's first line is. Where is Tyre da Gilsusau? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't speak German. Which translates to, who is the coolest bastard here? Literally, who is the horniest sow here? There is Tyre de Gilsusau. Gilsusau. I didn't. I took German for two years, but not enough I, to... I am German, and I will admit that the German language is just ugly. It's an ugly language. It is 100% an ugly language. I love the German language. Yeah, oh, that's not a pretty, pretty language. It always sounds like you're you're mad at someone. When it you're does, German. and I can respect I mean, that. I have a theory that Hitler wasn't really trying to do anything bad. He just was misunderstood because of. Oh God! <laughs> you should keep those sorts of theories to yourself. <laughs> do we got to mark down where to edit that out? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> He was saying, I, he was saying, I have gas, is what he was saying. And, In fact, I think anytime you start a sentence with "I have a theory about Hitler," you should stop there. <laughs> All right, and lastly, Edward Van Halen was offered a cameo in the film, but was unavailable due to illness. A Van Halen poster can be seen hanging on the wall of Bill and Ted's garage practice space. Rest in peace, man. Wait, is he dead? Yeah. Yep. Yep. No. Oh. Uh, two years ago, I think. Well, not that long ago. Yeah, I don't think he... it's even that long. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he was offered a spot in this movie. Oh, <laughs> he was good, unavailable due point. to death. Yeah, that's a good point. It had to have been more recent than that. Yeah, uh, I guess I just wow. missed that one. Wow, I'd ask feel... where I've been, but it, it was inside is the God. answer to that question. It he... feels like that was so much longer ago. Time is t- time since 2020 is just messed up. He right. died like two, well, like three weeks before the movie came out. Uh, October sixth, twenty twenty. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Everything since two thousand nineteen is all just one big day. So, so he died yesterday. <laughs> so yeah, that's the end of the trivia. Um, so uh, anybody got a summary they want to read, Josh? I was not prepared for follow-up questions, sir. Well, you opened the door by doing it in the first half. This will teach me to put an extra effort. Exactly. I'll never make that mistake again. <laughs> all right, I got you though. Uh, once told they'd save the universe during a time-traveling adventure, two would-be rockers from San Dimas, California, find themselves as middle-aged dads still trying to crank out a hit song and fulfill their destiny. Which, incidentally, I kind of liked the song at the wedding. I wanted to see where it was going. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of with you on that. For a throat-singing theremin song, it kind of rocked. Yeah, I, many... I will admit, I did not hate it. The problem was they got away from the throat singing theremin and started doing others. I mean, I knew we were supposed to hate it, and I was like, I don't hate this. It's I've heard radio so- Radiohead songs that are very similar, so, you know. <laughs> that, and I love Radiohead. I was going to say, is that a ringing endorsement? Right? Because, yeah, I, I have another theory that Radiohead is just a big practical joke on everybody. Oh, I like that I, I theory. Like, yeah. Tom York is looking at you from two different directions. <laughs> Yikes. And I like Radiohead, so anyway. I mean, you're not wrong, but still. 
So I'm assuming this is the first viewing for everybody, right? Yes. Yeah, many of us today. I just finished <laughs> it like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> During the break. Well, I, I, I guess right off the bat, I've got to say, out of the three films, I actually think this one was maybe the best of the three. Now, that's discounting nostalgia. Uh, wow. I thought they did a really good job with tying everything together and giving you a satisfying ending to the story. I'm with Joel on this. Like, if you completely take out the nostalgia factor, uh, I laughed more at this than I typically do for these sorts of movies. Um, yeah, it's, I, I dug this. I will say I enjoyed this movie, and I thought it was, you know, a, a worthy successor to Excellent Adventure. But I wouldn't say I thought it was better. All right, Pat, crap all over it. You're up. I was waiting for you guys to gush some more or something, anything. <laughs> well, I mean, there's more to say about it, but I didn't know, because we're talking about our kind of first impressions. I didn't know if you felt any differently about this than the um, others. Going into this, I pretty much expected that, that I was going to like it more than the other movies, simply because I, for one, hated the other movies so much, and two, just the fact that it's, this is done is obviously going to be done in a more modern style. It's probably just automatically going to be a little bit better. And I was happy to be right about that because this movie was was not bad. It wasn't like great by any stretch. I didn't like like it, but I would definitely say it was easily better than the first movie. It was more entertaining. It was better better written. It looked better. I mean, just pretty much on every metric, it was better. Well, and I appreciate it. Not great, but better. You know, I, I appreciated the fact that it's very easy when you go back to the well to get too self-referential and too meta. Kind of like and Jay I, and Silent Bob did. I feel like they didn't they didn't take that easy way out for them. I mean, there yes, there were still things that were similar. There were some things that were, you know, redone to some extent. But the majority of it was not going in that direction. And I felt like they did kind of a it was kind of a smart way of having the characters kind of grow up. Because like this, the story actually progressed, and like when they when they went and saw death down in hell, like things had changed. There was a, a, a there were things that had happened that had that show the passage of time. Whereas like to bring it up again, Jay and Silent Bob, and Jay and Silent Bob, if they had you know if, if they had had the same type of plot, they would have been playing chess against death again in this movie. And it was like it's like you know, you don't just do the same things over and over again. Like you can reference them and build on them but it's like don't just go right back to the same thing which is what they didn't do in this movie so i appreciated that i was just trying to agree with you in a very long way basically yeah no i i, I figured that out <laughs> i i got lost there and thought we we're going to talk about j patrick mcnamara in the movie. <laughs> well his contributions to this movie were top notch <laughs> I mean, the, my the, the my biggest problem in this whole movie was uh, was was Ted's daughter. Honestly, I did not appreciate her because it just seemed to me like she was doing a bad, you know, Ted impression. Not not being her own person, she was just impersonating the person who played her father. Hmm. That's how it read to me. I I kind of have to agree. I I liked Samara Weaving's take on her character, but for whatever reason, Billy, I just I yeah I, I didn't I didn't care for that character. Huh. Yeah, that's that's definitely different from my take on it, because I, I thought she was, I don't know, yeah, she's a female version of her dad, but that's literally the character. Not <laughs> sure point. what else you're looking for. Well, I didn't like that character to begin with. Why am I going to like a carbon copy of that character? I, I, I kind of agree. Is I thought they could have given the daughters 
a different personality than yeah. carbon copies. I mean, yeah, they a little still... bit more of their own individual whatevers. Yeah. And like, like if they were more into, yeah, okay, a, a even more recent uh, speak and slang, they were still talking like like the, the '80s slang there right. that Bill and Ted had. And if they were more of a, of you know this generation's versions of that, would have been better than. I just... fully agree with that. Yeah, they should have. They should have updated them. Well, and I don't know, like the fact that they were super into the same crap that their fathers were into was almost a plot point, though. Like they knew, they appreciated the music of the past a lot more than the stereotypical teens would because they are their father's daughters. But it wouldn't have hurt the movie at all if they had also been into just current events and current bands and current everything. It wouldn't have hurt it in any way. I, I think it kind of spoke to their relationship, though, in so much as that, it kind of showed that even though these guys are not the brightest hammers in the bag, they're still good fathers. They're present. <laughs> but you know, really, are they really good fathers at that point? If you because basically they have stunted their daughters at that point. But they have a solid. They have a solid relationship with them that they built. That they have a connection that a lot of teenagers don't have with their parents. So yeah. and they seem happy. Yeah, but they're sharp. They're sharp as a marble, and that's kind of their fault. They raised two dummies. And that's two dummies crazy... that saved the world, Patrick. What have you done? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, you're penultimate to them. <laughs> I, was just, I was trying to use that joke, damn it. I knew you were going to do it. I was trying to beat you to it. I, I, I got to ask, Joel, though. How bright are hammers that you usually use? I mean, it depends on if they're the lighted ones. <laughs> you know, for, for night hammering. Uh, night oh. hammering. Don't I ever, do a lot don't of ever night. Yeah, but don't you ever really need the nails to be bright for that more so than the hammer? Now you're talking crazy. Oh, what, Patrick? Night hammer, <laughs> night hammer. But anyway, I, I did like how yeah the, the daughters were were like they were into the music, not necessarily musicians or trying to be musicians, but were into the technology uh, of the recording and stuff. Like that. But I thought that should have been you know something more of their own thing than just you know. Okay, this is Bill and Ted talking in twenty five, thirty years later. I mean, well, it kind of, it, it kind of almost felt like you know our turn in in college when we were in the Odd Couple. It's like this is just you know the female version of the of the, of the two guys from the first movie. Well, I, I one other thing I appreciated about this uh, was that throughout the entire series, it's always being brought up that there's this moment and this song and this whatever. And it's always kind of hinted at and talked about, but you never see that moment. And we got that chance to witness that. And I, I, I appreciated that they took, cause that's, that's kind of a, a risky thing to do. Cause if you fuck it up, you lose the whole plot of all three movies because Im- you've crapped out. It's implied though, that they got that moment at the end of bogus journey, even though yeah. they retcon the hell out of it. Yeah. They, I mean, they did change. They played around with some things for sure. And I've got to say, I don't know anything about Kid Cudi, but the fact that he's like this genius in terms of scientific theories and whatnot, oh. I found I found very funny. That, that yeah, was it was very big... much like the Harlem Globetrotters in Futurama. Yeah. And then the two daughters were jumping right in too, which I thought was also speaking to them, saying that they're, you know, not the brightest hammers in the sack. They were ha- hanging in there with him when they were talking about, you know, time right, travel. Which also, and all that speak, stuff. which also speaks to me saying that their father stunted them because they're obviously not as dumb as their fathers, but they forced them to be as dumb. 
I say this is. I say this is a. They they should be arrested <laughs> for child abuse. Yes. Jesus. They uh, took, took two girls that could have been potential, you know, engineers or smart, you know, smart people and helped the world, and they turned them into two dummies. They just saved, saved the world. world. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of hammers, uh, by the way, God bless Dave Grohl. Um, and I, I, I wasn't sure if the joke was going to work with them going to meet themselves over and over again. Yeah. Uh, Cause after the first time they saw each other, I was like, Oh boy, this is, might be a little rough, but as it went on, it actually got better. I think with the future versions of themselves. And then when they finally reached the, the senior citizen version and they're, they're saying goodbye and thank you to themselves. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, you know, I, I agree with that hundred percent where like, it's, it's like, okay, so they're meeting themselves. This is something that, Every movie is doing it. You know, they met themselves in the first movie and then the robot versions of themselves or whatnot, the second movie. And so now they're going talking to future versions of themselves. And I was afraid the joke was was going to fall flat, especially if they kept doing it. But I think they pulled it off. Mm -hmm. And I, the robot, the way they did the killer robot was a risky play. Yeah. And I thought it was kind of funny. I think they pulled it off. Well, especially when they're like, when he's like, oh, uh, you know, like he realized he made a mistake and then he goes to hell as well. And then we find out his full name and then everything just goes sideways in a funny way. Especially when the two demons are just like, that's weird. That's a robot in hell. That yes. cracked me up. <laughs> yeah, he was a fun character. And there was some redemption, too. I mean, when um, uh, was it Bill's? Yeah, Bill's dad. Is it Bill's dad? Or is it, no, no, Ted's, Ted's dad. dad. When Ted's dad has the moment of realization that, you know, everything <laughs> that he's been being told this whole time was true. And there was that moment of, like, reconciliation. It, it was a nice touch. It was, you know, kind of a, a sappy moment that, you know, isn't, like, going to tear at your heartstrings. But it was still nice to see that uh, happen. And that happened a lot in the movie, I feel like. Well, um, and Ted's dad was kind of the, the like, big... I don't want to say he was the primary antagonist, but he was always kind of a dick. Yes. So For paying sure. that off was, I think, important. Although I still don't know why they couldn't get Diane Franklin and uh, the other actress there. I forgot her name already. Uh, Kimberly Cates back. I, that would have been a nicer touch because they looked they looked the right age. Didn't yeah. Diane Franklin die? No, she was just in a uh, the final interview with uh, the oh, Fred Vogel's last movie. Somebody, some no. girl from the 80s. Anyway, whatever. He's alive and well. Yeah, no, I even looked up to see. It's like, why wouldn't they invite him back? Are they still alive? Are they not working anymore? And I'm like, well, they still got credits up till this past year. So they <laughs> yeah. should have been available. I, I think that would have it would have felt more complete. Because clearly Aaron Hayes and, and Jama Mays are not the right age. Uh, they weren't the right anything. I mean, you could you could clearly tell that there was a, a miscast. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like that was a misstep because I'm sure the other two actresses would have jumped at the chance to come back. So why they didn't, I don't know. But I felt like that was one thing that, that hurt the film a little bit. All right. Well, is that is that it? Do we have anything else to say? Um. I, you know, we kind of touched on the idea of them going back to meet themselves over and over again, but the specific gags, like we touched on them old, I appreciated them uh, doing the fake British accents and then being uber buff and in prison, even though we saw that in the trailer, like that was legit funny to me. 
That's yeah, Bill's Bill's about. small head out of, out of that giant body was pretty funny. <laughs> and Ted always being weird with himself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I did yeah like the, the fake British accents and how it's like okay we just gotta convince uh, ourselves because we know it's coming and and even though we know it's not going to work right because it didn't work right for us last time we were here we're still going to do it and the and, buckethead moment oh right what that something we can't remember I I also kind of felt like Bill and Ted felt like more distinct individuals in this one than they did in the previous two movies I would agree with that. Even though they couldn't be individuals themselves with their own wives. Oh, they they worked that out at the end. <laughs> they figured it out. Yeah, okay. and I think that's kind of the reason probably why they did make them a bit more individual. Uh, is because you, you needed that moment at the end, you know, where they said, I love you, not we love you. Uh, we love you guys. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, one, one thing I wanted to touch on, I think I like the fact that they, you know, Oh, the, the song that Bill and Ted, you know, write or whatnot, or or Preston and and uh, Logan write uh, is the thing that saves the world. And it wasn't, you know, you're like, what song are they going to have that, you know, oh, everyone, all the world's problems are going to start falling away. And I like the fact that it wasn't necessarily the song itself, but just how they got everyone in all of yeah. history just to connect through the song. It's not necessarily the song was the greatest song that changes the world, but the act of being together at one juncture is what did it. Because that's a pretty daunting task as a writer to be like, I've written myself into a corner where now I have to write the best song ever written. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, people are going to say, well, that song's terrible. I hate it. I I'm going to become an evil villain now because, right. because they're trying to tell me that song will save the world. It was a pretty decent song. I don't know about best. <laughs> no, it was just a, it was just a tribute. <laughs> I see what you did <laughs> I do So yeah, I guess that's gonna gonna do for, for all of it Is it time for thumbs up, thumbs down? I think uh, so Yeah, I think we're there Alright, I'll go ahead and I'll go first I Clearly a thumbs down on, on the first one And I, I guess I'll go ahead and give it a thumbs up on the second one I didn't I didn't hate it, so Wow um, Patrick I, hates fun yeah. <laughs> I will give the first one an enthusiastic high thumbs up and the second one bogus journey a thumbs down and the tv shows big thumbs down and then a thumb up for the uh uh face the music uh well i'm thumbs up on the first two movies because primarily because of nostalgia uh they were not as good overall as i remembered but i still enjoyed watching them and revisiting them you will put uh, your thumbs up for anything no, I won't. And the new one, uh, I would definitely say uh, thumbs up. Oh, wait, no, I'm, I misspoke. You won't put your thumbs up anything. That's what I meant. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think this is probably uh, fairly obvious, but I'm a pretty big thumbs up for both. Uh, with If we're including Bogus Journey, for those of us who have seen it, uh, it's a thumbs down. Like, I guess it's unfair to give it a thumbs down since I didn't rewatch it, but. When, but last you time know, I watched you it, know it it's sucked. bogus. It was bogus, dude. So that's where we are. And I want to thank Jeff for turning up for our second week of September. I want to thank you for having me and allowing me to revisit Bill and Ted. Excellent. Uh, and uh, if you want to give us your thoughts on Bill and Ted uh, or give us a show suggestion for the future, let us know. Give us a call at 708 now wrap. That's 708 669 9727. 
And once again, if you're looking for our back catalog of shows, you can find them in your favorite podcast apps, such as Podbean, Pandora. Give us a thumbs up on Pandora if you're there. If you enjoy us, uh, we'd love to hear about it. You can give us reviews on Apple, Google, Amazon Podcasts, support us through the Kofi or Coffee link, however you pronounce that, in the, and all that stuff. And uh, you want to give one more plug to Hobie on the way out? Sure, we'll go ahead and take all our accolades. Yeah, uh, if if you enjoyed listening to me discuss with these people, you can hear me every week on the History of Bad Ideas. Uh, we release every Tuesday, and uh, you can find us on all the great uh, pod things, uh, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, we're even there. So find us, like you said, if you can't find us, if you don't find us, you're not looking, but... <laughs> We are out. And, uh, yeah, that's going to that's gonna get us halfway through our September. Uh, we got two more shows. Uh, what are they going to be about, and who are they going to be with, Joel? Uh, we're going to be talking about next week, uh, Bad Boys, Bad Boys, What You Gonna Do, uh, which we're going to have Brian stepping in for Josh. And then for the final week, we are going to be talking about the brand new – yeah, this is a change of venue here. Change of – not venue. We pivoted. We, we – yeah. <laughs> Pivot! We're changing from <laughs> Darsky and Hutch to da, 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 Cinderella, the original animated classic versus the brand new uh, live action where I will not be here. I will be with my wicked stepmother and my stepsister. Uh, no, none of that is right. Uh, and Blake will be stepping in for me. So ignore what I just said. All right. And that's going to do it for us. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a good night. Bye bye. All that stuff. Be excellent to each other. Yeah. That too. <laughs> Jesus, can we ever watch anything good anymore? Why do we have to watch shit all the time? Tired of